and sisters you're listening to sons of thunder weekly roll call this is adam and this is scott and we are a podcast for all law enforcement and first responders who are in christ jesus now normally we'd meet at a couple of different churches in the twin cities metro area but with covid19 going on we uh, jumped to the podcast format and we're not sure yet if this is going to be something that's um routine or if we're just going to do this throughout the uh the uh duration of this virus and how it's affecting everyone um just a couple things to join our mailing list and to receive more info, please email us at sonsofthunderpolice at gmail.com. Most importantly, email us for prayer requests or if you are in need of any kind of spiritual support. Uh, Scott and I are always here for you. And if we can't uh, help you out with something, we'll definitely get you to the resources to uh, to do so. But it all starts with, uh, with prayer and um, the most high. So, uh, Scott, speaking of prayer, could you uh, open us up with a word of prayer? Yes, I can. Um, Jesus, pray that your love and your glory flows down upon everybody today. You know, especially in these trying times when we're out there on the streets and we're dealing with this deadly pestilence head on. I just pray that your love and your glory just cleanses us, protects us. You know, Jesus, you cover us in your blood. And, you know, ultimately, I want to say thank you. This last week we celebrated, you know, your ultimate sacrifice and you providing us with the gift of eternal life because of what you went through. So, Jesus, for that. We are forever yours, and we thank you just so much for that gift. Please just continue to bless us, cleanse us, let your love and your glory float on upon us. Amen. Amen. All right. Very nice. So just as we go forward here in these last few weeks, obviously the world's been changing, and you, you mentioned something yeah. in your prayer, and we've talked about this last time as well as pestilence. And that pestilence has changed the way we do law enforcement. It's changed how we do traffic stops, um, our response to certain things. Um, I know personally it affected our, our training hours for the year and oh, yeah. our, you know, that nature. So what, what, what about your perspective, Scott? What's going on? I mean, same thing for us with training. You know, we do different phases of in-service every year and all that basically has been pushed back. So <laughs> towards the end of the year, everyone's going to be fighting to get through in-service and that's not going to be fun. I know our that's academy, right. we have some 40-some recruits going through our academy right now and they're still going through that. Very strict, very stringent, but you know they're they're still pushing sure. it forward and they're still doing it and th- good for them. I hope it keeps going because we desperately need cops. I mean, we're sh- so short staffed, but yep. I, I know the show, the show must go on. Oh yeah, and I know for us, basically, it's like, hey, uh, don't go out there and be proactive. Yeah, it's go out there, yep. respond to now one calls, and we're getting so many calls about people's not social distancing too but right. our department doesn't want to be like hey you know we don't we don't want to turn into writing people tickets for social distancing so for my squad i go hey uh can you guys please remember social distancing it's it's an illness it's not fun sometimes i'm not yeah, yeah <laughs> you know sometimes you're met, you can oh yeah sometimes you're met with okay thanks other times you're met with uh, not so nice words <laughs> so, right yeah, absolutely and, and again things are just changing and they We'll have to see how everything pans out um, when this is uh, when this is toned down a little bit. Obviously, we know things will never be the same, and us as all no. as believers, you know, we're called to be salt and light to the world. And you know, no matter what happens, we're just going to keep doing the best we can and not compromise any of our beliefs in Jesus Christ and 
the mission he has for us as, as law enforcement. Exactly. Um, yeah, man. I mean, um, other than that, is there, you got anything else before we uh, kick off our topic here for the day? No. Um, you know, just, you know, hopefully people, you know, when you listen to this, you know, maybe you listen to it three months from now, four months from now, and all this COVID stuff is gone. It's really hard to say, but just remember God's in control. Everything's going to be okay. You know, let's just take it one day at a time and really push us forward. I know for us in the state of Minnesota, and actually things are knock on wood, but they're going they're going okay so far. You know, it's we live in one of the best states to be battling this right now, and it's because of all the social distancing stuff. So that at least brings a little solace and comfort. You know, Amen. But yeah, yeah let's Absolutely. let's step into this. I I have a feeling because we talked about how. We're probably, you know, like we can get through this pretty quick. Dude, you know we're going to go down rabbit holes. This will be it'll be good, though. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm we'll see where excited. it goes. And, and you guys just uh, hang in there. And, and uh, again, you know, we, we like to get into the scripture, get into the word, and we're not going to try to water anything down or breeze over anything. I mean, we, we may, we may uh, abbreviate some things, but we're going to try to get this, uh, give you the best we can. Oh yeah, we're just a couple cops that love Jesus, and uh, we hope that, um, you know, we can be support to, to others that that do the same. So exactly, exactly. So yeah, so so yesterday uh, it was Resurrection Day. Um, happy Resurrection Day! He's risen, and uh, Scott and I were talking about it because we were like, "Well, let's not do one today." Obviously, we're going to spend some time with our families and meditate on God's ultimate sacrifice and um, and the glory that that He promised us since the beginning. Uh, but we're going to do something different today. We'll probably push that back to next week. Um, but Scott was like, Hey, let's, let's do something on the resurrection. I was like, Oh, that's awesome. That's a good idea. I'm going to have to do a little prep for it, but you know, it's totally worth it. And it's what, what better time than now? I I felt, I felt uh, bad. You had such a good idea, but I was like, you know, Passover, Easter coming right together. This is something a lot yep. of people have questions on. I'm like, all right, this is this is the time. So next week's gonna be awesome yep. too. Just a heads up. But yep. yeah, sorry about throwing that wrench in the works. I was sitting there and I'm like, all right, I think this is what we gotta do. Because this, this is huge. No, this you're is good to talk about. You're good, man. It was it was I liked it too. I was like I, at first I was like, Oh yeah, well, you know, that's that's great. And then I'll, the more I thought about it as time went on, I was like, This is couldn't be better, couldn't be a better decision. So Basically, the way we're going to do this is we're going to be talking about the resurrection, um, and I'm going to kick it off. I'm going to take care of the Old Testament, and Scott's going to move move into the New Testament. And again, this is not all encompassing. This is just I'm taking certain verses. This is not you know an exhaustive list of um, verses and chapters from the Old Testament regarding the resurrection. I just took some that that uh, spoke to me, and I feel they they, they speak to a lot of us. Um, but again, it's not an exhaustive list. And I'm just going to start kick this off, and then of course Scott's going to take the New Testament. And um, but I'm going to kick this off just with why we need resurrection in the first place. Why is it essential in the first place? Why did God have to make the ultimate sacrifice? And why do we even have resurrection? You know what is resurrection? So um, Scott, if you're okay, I think I'll just jump right into this. Son, you you run with it, and folks, if we go down some rabbit holes, it's actually probably going to be really entertaining. And really insightful. So, hopefully, this is. Yeah, we'll try. I'm, I'm excited about this. This is going to be an awesome topic because the whole Bible is all about this one topic. People don't realize that, but everything leads up to this. So, 
Go, go Amen. crazy. That's, that's take, it, take it away. All right, may the, spirit, may the Spirit fall upon us here. So we'll go ahead and start with uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. And again, um, we're going we're gonna to hear the only command that God gave man in the, in the Garden of Eden. This is before the fall, just to preface it. So I'm going to go ahead and start here. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. All right, so right here, God gave them the only commandment that they had to obey is that you will die. They will, they will, your, your life will be ended as you know it. That perfect communion you have with God will be over. So right away, so just with that being said, we're going to quickly jump to chapter 3 of Genesis, verse 14. Okay, now this is the pronouncement that God is giving on, uh, on Satan for tricking the, or for, for causing Adam and Eve to fall into sin and thus eating the fruit. Cause we all know what happened after God gave them the commandment, they broke the commandment. Um, and they, they basically are now getting their sentence and this is Satan's sentence. All right. Chapter three, verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So we have the very first messianic prophecy right here. Very first promise that God will send somebody to, to, to kill this death stalker, Satan. He's the one that, you know, more or less caused us to, to fall into uh, apostasy in the first place. And we have this promise from God that the seed of the woman Somewhere along the lines, he doesn't say when, but we'll, we'll take care of this problem of death and we'll crush Satan's head. Okay. Now I want you guys to keep that in mind, that one line that Satan pronounced on Satan. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, that God pronounced on Satan. You will crawl on your belly and eat dust. You will eat dust all the days of your life. All right. Right away, we're going to jump down to verse 19, same chapter, chapter 3, verse 19, Genesis. Now this is the end of the pronouncement that God is giving Adam for the transgression. He says, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from, from it, you were taken for dust. You are and dust. You will return. All right. You go back up to 15. It just talked about 14 to 15. Just talked about how, how the, ser- the serpent Lucifer will be eating dust. All right. He's going to become dust. All right. So he's going to be consuming a stalker of man's souls. All right. He's devouring man's souls. It says that Satan, you know, prowls around like a, like a lion seeking whom he may devour. And right here we have a little, uh, glimpse of that, that he, that Adam's going to become dust. He's going to die, go back to the ground. He came and the serpent's going to be stalking him and trying to devour men. All right. So real quick, we're going to go over to uh, Genesis chapter four. Verse one, and this, uh, Scott, if you don't mind after I read this, by the way, guys, I, I should have prefaced this. This is the NIV version I'm reading from, and I'm going to do the NIV version for all the Old Testament. Um, so just if, if that's not your preferred verse, you guys can follow along, maybe in the KJV or another version that you guys like. So um, I'm going to go ahead and read chapter four, verse one. And then after I do that, Scott, if you could go ahead and uh, read that for me in the Hebrew linear. Definitely. All right, here we go. Thank you, sir. Uh, Chapter four, verse one, Adam made love to his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. What does your version say, Scott? All right. And the man knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have gotten a man, Jehovah of she, 
and continued to bear his brother Abel. Yeah, see, I've always thought that was kind of interesting, and, and different uh, Bible scholars and preachers will say different things, but I'm, I'm pretty convinced that from what the Hebrew says directly is that Eve knew that um, that God would have to come in the flesh to redeem them. She was aware of this, and God said just before the seed of the woman, so the very first child she had, she's excited. She's like, hey, you know, could this be my redeemer? God, God has to come in the man. I have gotten a man, Jehovah, all right? Just like God, just like Jesus Christ came in the flesh to redeem us. Um, I think that's that's a good possibility that she knew that God himself would have to come down in the form of a man to redeem them, to crush yeah. the serpent. And I think she got a little excited at first, and she was like, hey, I got a man, and it's, <laughs> and it's God, you know? So, again, just uh, people have different views on that. Uh, I would definitely like to talk to uh, somebody who's, uh, you know, a really studied up on their Hebrew and, and to, to kind of pick their brain about that. But from all the research I've, I've done, um, it, it certainly seems like a very good possibility. So, uh, oh, yeah. Scott, you got anything on any of that stuff? Well, no, like, we jump into the next? no, just, just like you said, you know, it's like, she knew that this was going to happen. She knew that there was something that had to happen and she got a little excited. And as we kind of know, <laughs> the story doesn't go quite that way just yet. It will. Absolutely. But, you know, God told her this, and again, human conception of time compared to God's, you know, conception of time is vastly different. So to us, what's a thousand years is a second to him. This is one thing I wanted to yeah. point out, because a lot of people go like, well, they made this promise a long time ago. But our concept of time, because time's a dimension to us, is not to God. That's right. Very good point. And with that being said, even be, be before we go forth in some of the old, uh, other Old Testament um, mentions of the resurrection, we have to keep something in mind. The second we die, we're no longer bound by the dimensions of, of time, and it's it's a quite it's a it's a large possibility that who knows we we could all be resurrected at the same time, even if someone died a thousand years ago. Um, you know, it's just a possibility, and not getting too deep. But I mean, this the Bible is deep, you know, so we're. Like we said, we're going to be going down some rabbit holes. But anyways, I'm going to jump right out. <laughs> All right. So uh, real quick, uh, everyone, go ahead and uh, if you if you got a Bible, go to Job uh, chapter 19, verse 25. And I, I give credit to my pastor for this because my pastor did a, a sermon yesterday, um, a resurrection sermon, and he brought up uh, Job and he brought up this verse. So this, this spoke to me right away, especially since Scott had mentioned he wanted to do this in the resurrection. So this is probably my favorite, personally, my favorite Old Testament um, mention of the resurrection. So Job chapter 19, verse 25. I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. And now we have to take take a step back and realize something that Job, from what I understand from biblical scholarship, is Job was a contemporary of Abraham. A lot of people believe that Job was the oldest book um, in the Bible um, that was written even before Moses. Uh, Moses wrote Genesis and wrote all that information down. Obviously, the things that happened that Moses wrote down happened along, you know, thousands of years before. But he wrote them down during that time. All right. So you have Job, which which is believed to be the probably the oldest written written down book in the uh, in the Old Testament or in the Hebrew Tanakh, and then you have him here 
giving a very good description of what the later, the latter books of the Bible talk about with um, being resurrected, seeing in a new body, resurrected a new body, seeing God with his own eyes, not like a, a Casper the Friendly Ghost floating around scaring your grandma in the basement. You know what I mean? So doing <laughs> push-ups with Uncle Frankie, right? <laughs> this is the real deal, man. Push-ups. That's right. <laughs> so that's that's what I got on that. Um, I, I'm gonna Scott. You got anything on that on that verse? Otherwise, I'm gonna I'm gonna rip right to the next one. No, that, you know, and that's fine. Just real quick though, I want to say I'm looking at the translation version of it. And as far as I know that my Redeemer is living, and at last on the dust he shall rise. Even after my skin they surrounded this, yet yet my flesh from I shall see God. So, I don't know. I was kind of sitting there just trying to sit and read that and how it was, you know, that, that translation. And this is just something that is so elegantly written and proven that these are promises that God is making <laughs> such a long time ago. It's fantastic. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I like the way you, I like, like the way you read that uh, from the dust, um, he will rise. Uh, I like, I like the way it literally says it. So, um, and that, I yeah, believe it's, it's foreshadowing, it's really you know, I, I think that's foreshadowing to Jesus coming down to this earth. You know, hundred percent. Rather than yep. like all other interreligions being some magical, mystical thing, brought himself down to our level. Which, absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's it is fascinating in a sense. It really is that this is something thousands and thousands of years before the actual events, and it happened. You know. Yep, and that's it's just nonstop, man. You buckle your seatbelt. Because we're gonna jump back on the ride. You ready? I uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we're gonna go to the Psalms now. All right, we're gonna go to Psalms. We're gonna go to Psalm forty-nine, and we're gonna start at verse ten, and we're gonna go through verse ten to fifteen. Psalm forty-nine, verse ten. Here we go. For all can see that the wise die, that the foolish and the senseless also perish, leaving their wealth to others. Their tombs will remain their houses forever, their dwellings for endless generations. Though they had named lands after themselves, people, despite their wealth, do not endure. They are like the beasts that perish. This is the fate of those who trust in themselves and of their followers who improve their sayings. They are like sheep and are destined to die. Death will be their shepherd, but the upright will prevail over them in the morning. Their forms will decay in the grave, far from their princely mansions. But God will redeem me from the realm of the dead. He will surely take me to himself. And that last key, verse 15 I just wanted to give you guys some context. That's why I started at 10. But right there you have it. God will redeem me from the realm of the dead. He will surely take me to myself. I mean, there's no other way to redeem somebody from the realm of the dead than to resurrect them. Am I right, Scott? Well, exactly. And that's... What does your say, Hebrew Lanier, for for verse 15? What do you got just for verse 15? For for verse 15, all right. This way of theirs is folly to them, yet their followers by their mouth shall be pleased. So, uh, like sheep for shoal, they are set... Okay, hold on. They set our death, shall feed them, and shall rule over them, upright ones in the morning, and their storm for the consuming. 
That's oh gosh, yeah, that was a little difficult to. It's it started out easy, but then it just kind of that that was that was verse fifteen. Yep. So and I actually I went. Yeah, that was only verse fifteen, which. Whew, that was, okay. Yeah, uh, a little bit, little bit, worded uh, a little bit differently. Yes, definitely. But I mean, still though, when we translate it, I feel like it captures the overall point of that verse, which God absolutely has, God has redeemed our souls. But yep. how was he redeemed? Yep, it? taken, taken us out of the realm. Sheol. Yep. Yep. And you know, some 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 translations will say Sheol, obviously just uh, synonymous with the realm of the dead. Yep. Um, yeah. So. I think that one speaks for itself. Again, that's uh, that's Psalm 49, verse uh, verses 10 through 15. I'm going to jump to the next one if you're okay with that, man. No. Unless you got something you want to you know, say about that one. No, you're doing awesome. Keep going. I'm just trying to catch up, and I'm as you're reading it, I'm reading the literal. I'm getting ready for it. Like, okay, like let's see. I feel like that. <laughs> I feel like that kid in high me, school. Man. Call on me. You know that kid in high school who's waiting yeah, to get one. called on, and you're just like, oh, 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 I got to be ready. <laughs> Oh man, put me in, Coach. I got you. I'm ready. All to right, play. so we're, we're going to go to Isaiah now. I'm, I know, I know, we're jumping around, and hopefully, I'll give him Scott enough time to uh, to check this out. But it's going to be uh, chapter 26 of Isaiah, uh, verse 19. So it's just verse 19. So I'm going to go ahead and read this one here. All right, but your dead will live, Lord. Their bodies will rise. Let those who dwell in the dust wake up and shout for joy. Your dew is like the dew of the morning. The earth will give birth to her dead. All right. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that, that, that you will rise from the dust of the earth. As we read about in Genesis um, 3, that we will return from dust we came to dust we shall return, but we will, we will be risen. Something's going to happen. We're going to be resurrected. All right. The earth will give birth to her dead. I like the way the NIV says that. Uh, what do you got for that, Scott, for uh, chapter 26, verse 19? Chapter 26, verse this 19. This is the Hebrew linear. Chapter 26, verse nine, 19. Salvation not have we worked the earth for, and not have fallen, the inhabitants of the world shall live. Yeah, okay. You're, yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm trying to... It's just it's hard to piece in without taking a couple practice runs at it first. But sure. um, your dead ones, my dead body, they shall arise. Awake and sing, dwellers of the dust, for the dew of the lights, your dew and the earth, departed spirits shall make fall. There we go. So I had to take yeah. a second to no, that was good. <laughs> just to get back to where I was. But I no, mean, all good, man. No, I mean, really, essentially, I just again, we you know we talked about this before the podcast. How in English, our language is really messed up compared to other languages, especially to Greek and Hebrew, especially to ancient Hebrew. Is that their words? They get to the point a lot quicker than us. We're doing a lot of extra t- extra talking, so yeah. I just I do want to point out with the, these interlinear translations. You know, the person who directly translated this is trying to make the point with just the short Hebrew meanings, which sometimes it definitely sounds like I'm reading 
<laughs> you know, half the script. You know, my, my, my printer didn't get all the ink on there, you know? Yeah. No, it's, it's a good, uh, it's, it's, it's just good, uh, perspective to have though. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and jump to Daniel now. And this is, uh, this is the second to last one. I got one more after this that I'd like to hit on. Um, uh, but this is going to be Daniel chapter 12 verse one. I'll just kick it off here. This is again, the NIV version at that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people will arise. There will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who led many to righteousness, like the stars forever and ever. Okay? So again, we have it here. We have the Archangel Michael um, talked about in here, the the, the warrior, the, the warrior uh, leader of um, the heavenly hosts. And he's going to stand up and protect protect the people. But then we have, again, uh, arising from the dust of the earth, multitudes. All right, the believers that are found written in the book of life. So I really think that that, that um, typifies the resurrection very well, too, from a uh, prophetic point of view. So, Scott, you got anything on that one? No, I just uh, I I just think that's very elegantly written. You know, absolutely. It's just it's just a, a beautiful promise. Just a total yep. beautiful promise, you know. Yeah, and, and you know we're we're giving a glimpse back to the uh, supernatural realm there a little bit with uh, with Michael the archangel, and um, I don't believe besides Revelation in the New Testament and Daniel, I don't think Michael's mentioned on uh, Jude. He's mentioned in Jude as well because he's fighting over the body of Moses with Satan because God hid Moses's body, and that's something we'll again rabbit hole. We'll, we'll get there someday, but. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a good uh, a great verse that just kind of really describes what's going on. You have that heavenly heavenly war that's going on with Michael standing up to fight the, the forces of evil, Satan and his fallen angels, and you have believers in, in in Christ raising from the the dust. So you have a few things going on here. You have the resurrection happening, uh, a preview of the resurrection. You also have a little preview of Michael battling these uh, demonic forces in the in the angelic realm. So I thought that was pretty cool. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, this one, I mean, this one is is uh, a little bit different. Uh, it doesn't necessarily say, talk specifically about a resurrection, but it, it also, it kind of shows you that, that there will be some sort of life after death. And I've always really liked this, especially uh, this is a good, good, gives people strength that have lost a child or, you know, their their, their wives have had a miscarriage or you, you both, you, you and your wife have experienced a miscarriage. But I've, I've really liked this next one I'm going to go into. Um, and I just feel it's very powerful. Real, real and quick, uh, because this you yeah. talked about. Just one thing I want to point, just with the direct translation. Many of those who sleep in the ground, dust of shall awake. So, just real quick, those who sleep in the ground will awake. You're talking, you know that that that's a direct, I think, resurrection comment right there. How those who are asleep in the ground, they're they're part of the dust. They're going to awake. So I, I think that that promise right. is directly bam thrown in right during this. Yep. Sorry. No, that's 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 no, that's awesome. I appreciate the insight, especially from that literal translation, because the the closer we can get back to that literal 
translation, I think the better off we all are. And, and so we can see it for ourselves because like we talked about before, the translators who did the NIV, the, the KJV and all the other versions that we, that we uh, read, um, it's nice to see it for yourself. So yep. um, without learning, actually learning Greek, Greek and Hebrew. So that's cool. But again, uh, not to keep you guys on the, on a cliffhanger, but again, this next one, this is going to be uh, from second Samuel uh, chapter 12, and it's going to be verses 21 and 22. And again, th- I feel this is a very powerful, uh, powerful few verses out of Samuel that give people um, encouragement and strength who have lost uh, a child or lost, uh, um, you know, a baby inside the womb. Um, so anyways, I, I just feel this is a good one. I'd like to throw this in here. So again, chapter 12, uh, second Samuel chapter 12, uh, verse 21 and 22 started off here. His attendees asked him, why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. But now that the child is dead, you get up and eat. He answered, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I go off, go fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. All right. So he knows this is about David who lost his son, the first son he had with Bathsheba. Um, again, the, the child passed away and um, he's he's making a declaration here. Well, my son won't come back to this fleshly realm the realm of which we we're created from the dust of the earth, I will see him again someday. Thus to me insinuating a resurrection, a strong indication of that. And I've always liked this person. It's, it's good to give encouragement. If you know anyone that's lost a child, um, whether in the womb or, you know, outside of the womb, this is a, this is a great uh, few verses from Samuel that brings people a lot of encouragement. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to throw that in there. And then I am, uh, I am done as far as the verses I chose out of the old Testament that I feel personally, um, gives a good flavor of the resurrection, what we have to look forward to. I know this is, like I said, this is not all encompassing. This is just a few um, chapters and verses that I picked out that feels, I feel like it typifies the resurrection. So Scott, you got anything you want to add before you kick off the new Testament? I mean, just one thing with the old Testament is everything within the old Testament points to Jesus and the new Testament. I agree. Everything. It's all, it's all in preparation, all in preparation. And one thing I definitely yep. want to point out, which, so I love guys, just a heads up. I left my regular Bible that I read every day. My English standard version, just saying, I left that in my duty bag. Is that work. the basic training one? You got yep. basic training at Fort Benning? Yep. Okay. So I left that, left that in my duty bag. So I'm stuck reading, you know, new international versions and the King James. Oh, man, life is tough, right? <laughs> okay, buddy, you'll be all right. We'll pray for you. It'll be okay. You can get through it. I hope so. But, you know, one, one thing I just want to say is, you know, the Old Testament is talking about all these great just resurrection promises that we have to see. And one thing, yesterday, you know, my wife and I, you know, we're reflecting on, you know, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, you know, and we're talking about it. And just one thing I wanted to point out and she asked, you know, was, you know, he's fulfilling these these prophecies, Correct. I'm like, yeah, and she says, well, how back, how far back do they go? And one thing I want to point out is Genesis 3, which is in 17 and 19, but specifically just this one line. But thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. Literally within Genesis 3, <laughs> God's talking about how this crown of thorns, that's what's going to bring you forth. This is happening in the book of Genesis. 
within just the, the, the first start of it. That's when it's starting to kick off. And we already know that we're going to be redeemed through those actions. And just for me, that's one thing I want to point out about with this resurrection and with the Old Testament. And I really love the verses you chose, Adam, because I felt like you chose verses that, that were deep and meaningful to you rather than going to the Google box and going, 10 verses that tell me the resurrection is real. Old Testament. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of people do that. And how do you think? Uh, no, not at all. No, and, and how, do, how do you think we got started on certain things? Like, all right, I know I heard this. Where did I hear this? I need some help trying to, trying to reference it. So I totally get it. But Adam, I, I really like the verses that you brought to this because it's, I felt like it was something where you just definitely showed that these are promises. These are people in these old stories that God was speaking directly through. And it's, it's proven that he's saying thousands of years before any of this happened, don't worry, I got you. It's pretty. It's pretty cool, in my opinion. Pretty cool. So, Adam, absolutely, hundred percent. That's gonna be a tough act to follow. <laughs> Just saying. No, man, we're 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 in, we're in this we're, together. We're, man. we're, we're, we're a team. This. We're a team. One team, one fight. That's right. That's right. So, all right. I got your six, Scott. Don't worry, man. <laughs> I know you're gonna you're gonna be counting my push-ups for me, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't gonna say that on the on the podcast, but yep. <laughs> He'll be standing there going, hey, he's got a push, doesn't he? All right, well, right. guys, I guess we're jumping into the New Testament now with the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus. So the one thing I want to point out is I'm going to kind of run into each of the Gospels and then just dip a little bit into Acts when Jesus is still here, you know, on this earth after the resurrection. And then I'm going to point out some outside sources, and I want to point out some just some key things. And when I was trying to select verses for each of these Gospels, I'm like, all right, you know, I got a couple of verses here, which then turned into three or four. You know what I mean? It's like, gosh, everything is just so good. How can you, how can you limit what you're going to say? So I'm sorry, guys, if I'm reading a little too much, and I'm sorry, Adam, if you have to hear me read a little too much. But, no, hey, no apologies, man. Uh, this is one of those things where it, you got to go right to the scripture. We we got to read out of this, so um, you guys got to we got to give this to you how it is. So exactly. no, no worries, exactly. And that's that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus gave it to everybody how it is, and some of it pushed away followers and was unflattering, essentially, to his cause. But that, in my opinion, that's how you validate it because you know it wasn't. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, oh, hey, cool, we got this. Anyways, that's another rabbit hole that I'm actually probably going to go down a little later onto this. But first thing, we're going to look at the book of Matthew. Chapter 28, going to dive in right at verse 5. But answering the angel said to the women, You must not fear, for I know that you seek Jesus, he having been crucified. He's not here, for he is raised, as he has said. Come see the place where the Lord was laying. And going quickly, say to his disciples that he is raised from the dead. And behold, he goes before you into Galilee. You will see him there. See, I told you. So, right away, quick backstory. Mary, Mary Magdalene, they're going over there to anoint Jesus' body with with spices, with with scents, to uh, according to Jewish custom, 
So they're, they're on their way there, and then they kind of hit a little road bump when Jesus defeats death. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I guess that's the best way to put it. But it's just it's it's fantastic. So I'm going to jump forward real quick in Matthew nine and ten. But as they were going to tell it to his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Hail. And coming near, they seized his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not fear. Go tell my brothers that they may go into Galilee, and there they will see me. Again, now you actually have an official account that these women physically saw Jesus. And they were, they were freaked out at first because Jesus made a promise. And he said three days, but they were kind of sitting there. They're going, all right, like, we're, wait, we're waiting for this huge cataclysmic event. You know, and Adam, I know we've talked about this before. Um, you know, the, the disciples and a lot of the early followers thought that Jesus was going to come back, take over the temple, and destroy Rome. But right. it... Obviously, that was on our small, man's small scale of thinking. And Jesus had right. greater, greater, exactly. greater plans, yeah. obviously. But That's right. And again, we have the, the two pictures of uh, the Messiah. We have the suffering servant, Joseph, and then we have the Davidic warrior king, Messiah, and Jesus will fulfill both. It's just they weren't expecting the uh, Ben Yosef, you know, the, the suffering servant, Joseph, to show up first. Um, obviously, we know it's the same guy. It's Jesus, and he's going to fulfill the Davidic promise too but yep. yeah they weren't mad they're like you're, you're just gonna die on a cross like and, and just die for our sins and, and then and, like that you know they yeah so well and that, that's why a lot of Jews are initially struggled with this whole concept because they expected this mighty warrior to come back you know and he's gonna be riding in on a stallion you know flexing me like yeah boom we got this but right Again, it's a, a testament to God's awesome plan. So I got something right. way better for yeah. you. And just real quick, I'm going to end it with this part of Matthew. But the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mount where Jesus appointed them. And seeing him, they worshipped him, but they doubted. And coming up, Jesus talked with them, saying, All authority in heaven and earth was given to me. Going then, disciple all nations, baptizing them, into the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, whatever I have commanded. And behold, I am with you all the days until the completion of the age. Amen. So Amen. This, is, this is something I want to come back to, though. Even the disciples, initially when they saw Jesus, they, they didn't believe their own eyes. And, mm-hmm. and they had doubts. And Jesus actually, there was a point, and I'm drawing a blank on the verse, where he calls him out. And he's like, guys, you don't even realize how easy you have it. Because you're here, you're witnessing these things directly. Think about people like you can say us and our generation. Think about us. Because we're so far, essentially, according to our definition of time, removed from the events. But even these people that were with him that saw these things, I mean, they were right there. They were like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. And we're going to get into this now. We're going to jump into Mark a little bit. <laughs> All right. See, this is exciting stuff. Just it a, is. Just a page turner. So we're going to go to uh, Mark 16. And specifically, I just start out with verse 6. Now, you're going to notice one thing. Everything's going to kind of 
get a little more in depth, a little more detail. But it's it's all different details. But I want you guys just to pay attention. So again, they showed up to the tomb. They brought spices. They were going to anoint him. They showed up. Guess what? Guys got something different planned. Okay. So here we go. But he said to them, "Do not be amazed. You seek Jesus the Nazarene, who has been crucified." He says, "I mean, sorry. He was raised. He's not here. See the place where they put him." But go, say to the disciples and to Peter, he goes before you into Galilee. You will see him there, even as he told you. And go out quickly. They fled the tomb, and trembling and ecstasy took hold of them. And they told no one, not a thing, for they were afraid. And rising early on the first week, his he first appeared to Mary Magdalene, from whom he cast out seven demons. That one had gone and reported to those who had been with him who were mourning and weeping. For those hearing that he lives and was seen by her, they did not believe. So, again, you have another gospel testament using the testament, basically a woman's word for it. Now, here's the thing. Back in these ancient times, Adam and I talked about this earlier. I think we already mentioned it. But women did not have the status that men had back then, and them using this account of a woman initially could, I mean, it did, in some people's opinions, void out what they were trying to say. And that's and that's very fascinating that God is going, nope, I'm going to use these people directly for my purpose. And that's just beautiful. Here's one thing I want to keep pointing out, okay, guys? I'm going to keep reading Mark verse 12. And if... And after these things, he was revealed to two different form in two of them walking and going into the country and going those reported to the rest, nor did they believe those. So this is just a quick, quick synopsis of what's going to happen in later gospels that they talk about, but Jesus revealed himself, but unknowingly to these other people. Afterward, as they reclined, he was revealed to the eleven. And he reproached their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him. So again, they the disciples didn't believe the reports that they were getting. They were directly with people that they loved and that they knew and that they knew probably wouldn't lie about it. They didn't believe him initially. And that's just that's just absolutely just another testament too to the human factor that we have to look at when we read these Gospels. All right, now I'm going to jump into Luke. Luke is my my favorite, my absolute favorite Gospel. Just going to throw that out there. So I kind of went a little nuts with this, Adam. I'm, I'm sorry. Hey, no, it's all good. <laughs> but um, real quick, we're going to start with Luke uh, 24, verse 2. And they found that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. And going in, they did not find the body of Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were perplexed about this. Even behold, two men shining clothing stood by them. And they becoming terrified and bowing their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living with the dead? He is not here. He has been raised. Remember how he spoke to you, yet being in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered to the hands of sinful men and to be crucified and on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the tomb and reported 
all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. So, real quick, they're in there, and God's angels are are straight up telling them they're going, guys, don't 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 you remember what he said? Don't you remember his promises? This this is what has to happen, this is what's gonna happen. But for some reason, they still kind of went, we're, we're we're having a tough time. We're having a tough time. But now here here's one thing. Peter heard everything, according to Luke's gospel, and he said, you know what, I have to go up there, I have to go up there, and I have to see this for myself. So Peter ran to the tomb, stopping it down, he saw the linen laying alone. And he went away wondering to himself, what had happened? I, sorry, I just, I, I'm just chuckling to myself a little bit, because even Peter, Jesus' right-hand man, the person he said he's going to be his rock and he's going to build his church on. He went into the tomb knowing Jesus' promises and was still thinking what had happened. I, I mean, Adam, what, what, what's, what's your thought with that? You know, it's just, it's. I, I still can't get over the transfiguration, man. I mean, he was there and he saw, you know, Moses and Elijah right next to Jesus. And they were all, you know, glorified their faces all shown like the sun. And he had seen these things, you know, um, the, the miracles on the sea, you know, the sea of Galilee and, and, and calming the storm and all this. I always, I can't even, I get over that, but you know, you know, us in our fallen flesh, that's what we do. We do stuff like this. Peter is a picture of all of us as believers where we're going to stumble. We're going to fall. We're going to sin. All right. But ultimately we, we have our sights set, set on Jesus. Even if sometimes in the flesh we fail to trust him, and we do it all the time, whether it's on a call whether it's at home, we do, oh, you know, yeah, exactly. we, we, we all fall short of the glory of God. And, and it's, and it's one of those things, man, I, this is just, I, I just see this as a, a deeper way to, to, to show that, like, even it comes down to this, you have seen these miracles, you've seen this. I told you what would happen and you saw me do all that crazy stuff. You saw prophecy fulfilled. If you look back in your, in your old scriptures, you would have seen it when Moses lifted up the bronze serpent and the people had to look upon it on the cross, pretty much a serpent to be healed from the deadly snake poison back in the Exodus, things like that. I mean, it's all over the place and still we're, we're, we're stiff necked people, as he said. Oh yeah. And it's, and that's, that's one reason why I'm kind of captivated just by the end of these gospels is because like you just said, we're, we are so stubborn in our ways and we think we know best and we know very little. That's, I mean, that's our own hubris talking where we think, oh, sorry, I, sorry guys, I have a big husky who is sitting here trying to talk to me right now, and he physically wants something while my pity and my other puppy are fighting <laughs> at my feet, and my husky is sitting here, he's 130 pounds, he's huge, as you can very plainly hear him, he wants to chime in, and he wants to talk about the gospels too, apparently, but... But basically, Scott's got Jurassic Park over there. Yeah, I, I do. I for some reason we have three dogs. Don't know. Man, one hundred thirty pounds. Wow. Yeah. Oh, he's he's a he's a beast. He's he's an animal, and he's staring at me with his bright blue eyes. He wants something, and the fact that I'm not appeasing him upsets him, and he's going to voice his opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but um, all right. Sorry about that, guys. His name's Wesson, named after Smith and Wesson. Just saying. But anyways, back to. This is like like you said. We fall short on calls. We fall short at home. We can see beautiful miracles happen, but then as time goes on, for some reason we struggle. And for these, 
I just really want to point out for anyone. I remember, you know, this always bothered me. I had a buddy who I was in the army with, and he was struggling with his faith. He went to go talk to his pastor, and his pastor said, fake it till you make it. I looked at him, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, what? That is what supposedly a man of God told you, just fake it till you make it? How is how is that conducive to anything? Highly don't recommend that. That's yeah. what gets most people into the the uh, the state that they're in is they, oh, I tried the Bible. I tried going to church. It doesn't work. I tried reading your book. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's the problem is like, no, just give it to people how it is. Give it people the truth, the word. And yeah. people get caught up on doctrines of men and they get turned off because it's doctrines of the flesh. It's doctrines of men. It's not from God. It's not of the spirit. Exactly. So people get turned off and they get, they get poor kid. You know what I mean? Like how oh, many yeah. times does that happen to people? Uh, you get people even, that's why in, in, in addition to the demonic realm, anytime you mention the name Jesus, people just cringe. You, you can know? say anything else, any other name, but you can't say his name. Exactly. People cringe because they're, they're, they're afraid and, and the demons are afraid. People cower at that name because it's the truth. It's, it's fantastic. And there's a reason why people, you know, you see them with that uncomfortable, you know, nature where they're just like, uh, like I went to church and I felt uncomfortable. I'm like, well, <laughs> okay, well, you know what? Well, <laughs> I got a spot for you with Uncle Frankie down yep. in the basement. No, no, no. <laughs> well, no, but it's, but it's like oh. you know, that, that, that's the Holy Spirit coming in and going, hey, guess what? Like, I'm about it's, to do something awesome. But it, It's you coming to the sense that, that it's the Spirit telling you, hey, you are unclean, and there, you, there, but there is somebody who died for you, and that's somebody that is perfect, and that's God, our almighty creator, and his son, Jesus Christ. That's that's that feeling people get because they don't want to look in, inside themselves. They don't want to see that, that there's a blemish on them, you know, oh. that, that that there is one you must submit to without blemish. And that's what makes us uncomfortable. And it's everybody. It's, it's so oh, yeah. if you're out there and you feel that way, you're not alone, all of us. But the second you realize that you're imperfect and you do fall short and you get on your knees and you repent and you ask Jesus, you know, to, to take the wheel. I mean, you're, you're going to you're going to feel that way. It's OK to feel that way because that's. We, we have original sin since since the time of Adam, and we've all sinned. And like we said, we've all fallen short. So Oh, exactly. And I guess just, you know, back to looking at Luke specifically, it's Peter, who was there basically from the start of the whole ministry. He had trouble. So, guys, just remember what you're feeling about everything sometimes. And I know I have to remember this sometimes, too, where it's like the people who were directly there and Jesus' right-hand man on this earth, they even struggled. So let's, let's, just, let's just remember that, that God knows our heart and he knows us and he knows exactly what we're going through. That's why he came down here. That's right. So let's just focus on, on the task at hand. You know what I mean? And it's just... That's the reason I want to point out that Peter went in there and saw, oh, man, like, <laughs> how could this be? It's like, dude, like, come on. You know, the angels are probably sitting there going, like, guy, like, remember, he told you, come on. <laughs> right, in, in much, right. In a, in a, in they can't more, figure out why it's so hard for us, you know. I mean, they're they're perfect <laughs> beings that have never sinned. And those who have sinned, we all know where what happened to them. You know, one-third of them fell with, with Satan, you know, and – I mean, yep. so they, they just can't understand it. Like, guys, what's so hard about this? You're made in his image. You know, you're special. You know, he, he came down in the flesh and died for you. Like, what's what's the deal? Why can't you get your act together? And, 
but but we think we are perfect for some reason. That's right. And that's have, that's the fall, man. Pride comes before the fall. The very first sin wasn't in, in, in the garden. It was in the angelic realm with with Lucifer, you know, yep. and that's what that was, man. So, yep. So, all right. We want to. Anyways, back to the resurrection. Sorry about back that. To, we went a little <laughs> rattle, but no, and it just you know, kind of finishing out with everything with you know Luke. It's that there were, I'm going to paraphrase because this is a lot of reading from verse. I was thinking, yeah, I'm going to read from verse 13 to 53, but I don't want to lose you guys. So I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, just going to briefly paraphrase. But long story short, there were two men and they were a long way from Jerusalem. They're sitting there, they're walking along and, you know, a, a traveler who was Jesus, but had blinded their eyes to the fact that it was him. You know, he's kind of going like, hey guys, you know, you're talking about some upset stuff, you know, like what's going on? And they explained everything to Jesus. And then towards the end of the day, they said, hey, why don't you come and rest with us? You know, it's still a long way to Jerusalem. I'm like, let's, let's, you, you can stay with us. And then as they're about to sit down and have a meal, Jesus was there and took that veil away from them. And they were completely just absolutely amazed at, at what had happened and what he had showed them. And he, Jesus then meets with all the disciples and he's sitting there and he's talking about, Hey, these are all the prophecies. These are everything that was prophesied. And uh, that Moses wrote with the prophets, with the Psalms concerning me. So that's just one thing I want people to know. It's like he more and more, he's showing himself to people and these are all just different accounts. So now going to jump into John. All, all right. Going to, going to jump right in. It's going to be awesome. We're going to look at, uh, specifically what I want to point out is, um, I wrote verse 20, hmm, twenty-one twenty. what did I write down? I can't read my writing, sometimes I actually have this happen when I'm on calls, is I write things down, I had a paramedic the other day go, what are these? I go, those are numbers, <laughs> they don't, those don't look like numbers, and I'm like, okay, cool. We're not alone. <laughs> um, that's why I'm glad we get the type reports. Oh gosh, I know, right? It's just like, whew, even when and the field notes are admissible in court. But guess what? If they that, that, that's not my problem, if they can't read them, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine going to court and them looking at your notes? Like, so what does this say? We see we you have a smiley face and a frowny face. Like, oh, they said that they were happy, but then sad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's what I got. That's that's what's in there, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So real quick. Just going to point this out. All right, so verse, chapter 21, verse 20. Well, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump up to, uh, I'm going to jump up to 19. And again, guys, I'm sorry, I can't read my own writing, and this is just, this is not good. So, then it, then it being the evening, on that day, the first of Sabbath, the doors, having been locked, where the disciples were assembled, because of fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace to you. And saying this, he showed them his hands and his side, then seeing the Lord, the disciples rejoice. When Jesus said to them, again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And saying this, he breathed to them, and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. For whoever you forgive the sins, they are forgiven to them. Or whomever you retain, they are retained. 
But Thomas, one of the twelve, the one called twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Then the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and thrust my finger into the mark of the nails and thrust my hand to his side, in no way I will believe. (laughs) So, you know, one of the disciples going like, hey, yeah, sure, you guys saw it. I'm not believing any of you. I need to to physically touch those wounds. I physically need to see what what, what the big deal is for myself because, yep, you say you got this empty tomb. You guys say you've saw them. All right, whatever. Whatever, I need to see it. And my pit bull agrees, too. Um, so, sorry about that, guys. But Yeah, that's what that noise was. Yeah, that was my pity barking at my puppy because they like to uh, kind of, you know, fight. So, <laughs> they're, they're, they're both laying at my feet, occasionally chewing on my feet. Because they're, yeah, they're just like kids, right? Dogs exactly. are pretty much like kids, right? Exactly. Dog, no, but no, I mean, no big they, deal, right? Is that, is that what you're saying, Scott? Oh, yeah, but dogs have more legs. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I'm just going to point this out real quick. And after eight days, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. The door having been locked, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Bring your finger here and see my hands, and bring your hand and thrust them into my side. And by not unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered him and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, Thomas, you have believed. Blessed are the ones not seen and believing. So Jesus right away is pointing out the point, what we said earlier. It's the fact that Thomas, who was there, who saw everything, had to physically touch the resurrected Jesus because even seeing didn't believe. He actually had to do that. And bless her us because we haven't seen. We just believe. And that's that's just beautiful. So going into just Acts, Acts is a huge reason why I believe, Adam. I don't know about you. But reading everything that, you know, the, the four Gospels, it's fantastic. But then Absolutely. going into seeing what these men actually did and how they could have tapped out, but they were so convicted that they suffered horrible deaths for this. That's one reason why I believe. I I don't know. what's What are your feelings on Acts? Yeah, I mean, the, the, from the plot to kill Paul to, I mean, everything else, the, you know, the persecution, you know, the riot in Ephesus. I mean, it's just... Uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful literal testimony that happened and it's definitely another piece in the puzzle that, that got convicted me. That's for, that's for sure. All right. So with Acts, I, you know, I'm thinking about it. I was going to try to cover basically the Pentecost, but what I'll, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do a brief overview. Jesus is speaking with them. He's talking to them. He's telling them that they're going to be just blessed with the Holy Spirit and they need to go to all ends of the earth to bear witness to what to what he's done. But, you know, at one point they said, uh, do you come to restore the kingdom to Israel at this time? And Jesus said to them, it's not yours to know the times or the seasons. So, again, still small-minded thinking. 
even with this resurrection, they thought resurrection, boom, coming back, going to restore everything. There we go. But there's still <laughs> our, our concept of the cataclysmic events that are that have happened that are about to happen. We have no idea, you know. Right. So covering the actual resurrection and the actual promises within these gospels, you know, one thing I want to point out is that each account that I read, they were different. But those different accounts prove the authenticity of each book. Because if we're looking at it and everything is exactly the same, we're going to start to question, question really what what happened, you know? Like, right. Adam, when, when we interview people on calls, when we, when we interview witnesses to a crime, you could have a bad car accident, and you interview one witness, then you interview another, and both of them saw completely different things, and then each driver of the car saw something totally different, too. That's, that's true. That's, I mean, that's the difference between an eyewitness account authenticated versus a conspiracy, yep. where you have parties trying to, to get together and formulate the exact same response versus... A natural, you know, everyone sees something through the the lens of, of their individual eyes, and I mean, this just just uh, you don't get any better than this. This is like from a law enforcement perspective, reading this and 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 the evidence that's put forth and the testimonies that's put forth, it just it screams authentic, exactly. and the way it's seen through the lens of, of these uh, you know people who had these different encounters, so. Are the same encounter, but through, through the lens of different people. Exactly, and that's as police officers, we are suspicious of everything. And that's you know, I was a Christian before I went into law enforcement, and I mean, I guess you could say I was a baby Christian, but you know, like I didn't, I didn't question much. And then as I started to get deeper and deeper into my career in law enforcement, you know, more it's like, all right, you're looking at it through those analytical eyes that we try to take off after our shift, but we just, we don't. So this, in my opinion, really just justifies the gospels and specifically the resurrection. One thing I want to point out, if you guys haven't read it, the case for Christ by Lee Strobel, I know that there is a movie about it and the movie is fantastic, but like any other movie, the book is a lot better because there's so much information within this book. One thing I just want to point out that he writes is that if the Gospels had been identical to each other, word for word, this would have raised uh, charges that the authors had conspired themselves to coordinate their stories in advance, and that would cast doubt. So each resurrection evidence story that I read, coming back to the promise of resurrection that Adam read, we're getting different accounts, but what happened? And and that's the beauty of it. That yep. This, you know, essentially you can look at it as we have this crime scene. And all of a sudden we're looking at it and we're getting one story and we're getting another story and we're getting another story. But as we piece it together, this is what it's going to be. Now, I want to point out, because Adam knows I love this, is that there are other sources outside of the Bible that paint a picture of Jesus and paint a picture of the resurrection. They acknowledge that specifically. They acknowledge this. And one, one person I want to talk about is uh, Cornelius Tacitus, who spoke about Christians during, um, he wrote a biography about Nero. And wrote about Tiberius, but he also wrote about Pilate and Pilate putting Jesus to death. Now, Cornelius Tactus did not like Christians, like a lot of people in Rome at that time, because it was seen as a cult and against uh, the Roman Empire. 
So the fact that he actually, these Christians were creating a big enough wave and they were being put to death. I mean, Nero, <laughs> uh, how did he, not, not a good person towards Christians. But for him to actually go that deep and talk about Pilate and the death of Jesus is, is huge. And that is something that, that can't be ignored because people, I, I know you've heard Adam, well, how can we trust the Bible? Like, well, what about the sources outside of the Bible? And I love bringing that up to people and people go, what, what do you mean? Like, Oh, like these events were written about outside of the Bible. Well, Oh, and right. I mean, from, from the historian Josephus to uh, Cornelius, who you were mentioning before, it's like people automatically think the Bible and they think like they're, they're stuck in a box. They're stuck inside that, you know, oh, it's just the Bible. So that's not real history. That's not a history book. Well, in fact, the, the Bible is, is history. history. I mean, it's and, history and it, and it happened in a historical time period in a linear fashion like everything else in history happened. It's just that it focuses on a specific group of people, God's people, Israel, who carry, who are, you know, who are God's appointed people that carry the message of Jesus Christ. The whole point of the, the Bible is God stated before, which is hundred percent correct. And it takes you all the way from this little chunk of real estate on the earth, all the way from the creation account to Jesus' death and resurrection. Yep. And people have trouble with that because they're like, wait a minute, this, it says stuff outside of that. It's like, yeah, believe it or not, the Bible wasn't in its own little dimension. Like the Bible happened exactly. on earth in the flesh exactly. alongside everything else from the from the, the Greeks to uh, to the Roman Empire to any kind of ancient civilization to the, you know, right up until the medieval times and everything's going on with Constantine. I mean, my point is this. I'm kind of babbling on about it, but like it's it was it was alongside all the other events. And in fact, a lot of them were intertwined, you know, oh, like yeah. you look at, you go back to Daniel and how he forecasted, uh, Alexander the great. All right. Oh. With the, with the Greek rise of the Grecian empire. Yep. And that, that came to pass and that was intertied with biblical prophecy, Cyrus. I mean, and we'll see people, so anyways, people, a lot of people cherry pick what they want. And I like how you mentioned, uh, um, Josephus just because I mean, his, his histories specifically, um, Jewish antiquities and the Jewish wars, which I have a copy of people will argue that those are like the most historically kept records of those events. They don't dispute the authenticity just like Cornelius Tacitus. They don't dispute what his previous writings either and his writings about Alexander the great, which are proven to be actually the most accurate biography. And it's proven that his writing about Jesus is his writing. It's been proven, scientifically proven that it is. So that's something we can't ignore. And when you look at Josephus, this, this is seriously what Josephus wrote. And I just, I want, I want people to read this. So around this time there lived Jesus, a wise man, if indeed one ought to call him a man. For he was one who did surprising deeds and a teacher of such people as accept with great gladly. He went over many Jews and many Greeks. He was the Messiah. When Pilate, upon hearing him accused by men of the highest standing among us, had condemned him to be crucified, those who in first place came to love him did not give up their affection for him, for on the third day he appeared to them restored to life. The prophets of God had prophesied this and countless other marvelous things about him. The tribe of Christians also called after him, have still to this day not died out. 
So even someone who, when this is a part of the Jewish antiquities, even someone, if you look up Flavius Josephus, his writings are undisputed, authentic, and accurate. And then you have him specifically right, right. there. This, and this is a this is a Jewish uh, Jewish historian that yep. was a contemporary, more or less, with around the time that the the temple fell. Yep. In seventy A.D., uh, the temple was destroyed by the Roman Empire, and the the Romans pretty much employed him to keep a, a if I'm not correct, Scott, um, document Jewish history, and he did. He wrote you yep. know history of the Jews, antiquity of the Jews. Uh, the war, um, war of the Jews, as uh, Scott mentioned before, but I mean, this is as accurate as accurate can get, and this is, you know, set aside from the Bible, um, you can call it secular history if you want, because he was literally documenting Jewish history yep. as it happened. He wasn't a he wasn't a prophet or a scribe or anything like that, um, or I, I don't even believe he's mentioned in the in the Jewish Talmud. I could be wrong about that, uh, but that's my understanding. Is that he was just a historian? He was a a very intelligent uh, historian of the time that was contemporary with around the uh, fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD. And he's writing this stuff about Jesus, about you read it perfectly after the third day he rose again. Yep. And this is Josephus writing this. So <laughs> it's, I mean, it, it's something that, that can't be ignored. And I guess bringing everything back to the resurrection. Now I hope today that we were able to bring some good biblical texts to support this, to show this, and then two non-biblical sources. And then just overall context, the fact that this resurrection was witnessed and people actually saw that that happen. You know, Absolutely. People, like this is something that wasn't just in the Bible. This was something that other people wrote about, other historians wrote about. So I, I just... This is this is a topic we could spend months on, and months and months and months, you know, and we could we could sit here and we could discuss for hours. And I feel like maybe we just scratched the surface. Oh, absolutely! And just keep in mind, everyone, you know, and we have to keep this in mind every day: is that people were willing to die for this message, like Scott brought up with with the Book of Acts. All these people, and, and every one of the disciples, except for John on the island of Patmos, I believe, was martyred. Um, for his name and everyone did it voluntarily with a smile on their face exactly um, and because we, we got to be willing to do the same thing and we have to be strong in the spirit because we are weak in the flesh because and that's not something to be ashamed knew. about that's just something that that it's true about us and whether it be on the road or whether it be on our you know with our family at home is something we have to keep in mind we have to rely on his strength and not our own exactly and it's just yeah it's just it's fascinating just, we have to look at the bible as those eyewitness accounts, and even, you know, the eyewitness accounts, I believe it's in the book of Matthew, where they talked about how the Jews accused the Christians of stealing the body. Oh, there he goes. Oh, that's, that, that's my old guard dog who, uh, <laughs> who's going crazy right now. She can, she can hear our fire alarm beep, and that just sets her off. She thinks... That is something. But anyways, real quick, what I, I want to bring up is when they're talking about the resurrection, they brought up that the Jews accused them of stealing the body. So my here, here's my thought, though. Why would they include that in the gospel if they, when they weren't just documenting everything for fact that what it was? Why would they put something that people might have wondered, but they actually put that, which that could hurt their chances 
of bringing people over. You know what I mean? Like it's absolutely, it's something that just proves the authenticity of this, that it doesn't help their cause. It doesn't help their case, but they still do it. So that's a very good point. Oh yeah, definitely. So, well, we talked for a long time today. Yeah, this is a little bit, uh, little bit more meat on this one and again scott you said it perfect man this is just scratching the surface but we had to we we you know got to do some justice a a a portion of justice to this awesome awesome event that saved us all and the reason we're all going to be redeemed and we're all going to get new bodies one day and raised from the dust of the earth as it says in the new and old testament and um you know glory be to our king and this is just something that we at least wanted to pay some homage to uh, today with our podcast, uh, like we said earlier at the beginning, otherwise we'd be meeting in person twice a month at a couple churches around the metro yep. area, Twin Cities. Um, but this is good. You know, all you guys that are outside of the state of Minnesota can listen and um, maybe even internationally um, exactly. if you come across this. We hope, as Scott says, we hope this podcast finds you well. And uh, Scott, you got got anything else, man? No, I just, you know what, I hope, you know, with this this next week, like you said, we'd be meeting in person. I, I really like this podcast. I think we can dive deeper into some thought, you know, just the two of us. So hopefully this is something that continues. Hopefully more and more people will share this and listen. So just I really just want to thank everybody for listening. If you have any questions, sons of thunder, police at gmail.com. And I hope just everybody has has a great blessed week fighting that good fight and stepping out of that battlefield. Amen, bro. And I'll just take us out with the with the word of prayer. We appreciate you guys listening. So let us uh, bow our heads and pray to our great God. Father, we're so grateful for your son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent to this earth and was crucified for our transgressions and our sins, and whom on the third day that you rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures, Lord. And as your son said, with peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. And as you said, Lord, in the Old Testament, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. Lord, we're so thankful for everything. Please continue to keep us safe out there on the job. Please protect our families. And, uh, and thanks for listening, guys. And just remember, we got your six. Yes, and guys, sorry about Adam. You're on a roll. I'm I'm sorry. My fire. Hey, it's, it's okay. Hey, the, all all the prayers of the saints go up to the Lord like sweet incense, brother. It's okay if a dog barks. Yeah, my. It's, it's, it's a creature of the Lord, man. She, she just wanted to chime in, and yeah, my for some reason my fire alarm just started beeping. And she's losing her mind. And my wife's doing a beautiful job. So thank you, everybody. Have a great week. God bless. All right, guys. Take care. Sons of Thunder!